Hey, Zach. What's going on, Zane? Oh, not too much. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. We're down here at your music studio. We spent a lot of time down here already uh, doing some jam sessions and whatnot. You got the Iron Maiden poster on your wall there. Yeah, that's cool. It's a classic. I like all your guitars, too. You got a nice setup. Thanks, dude. Have you ever used Autotone? Like Autotune? Yeah. No. No, I... Nope. Never dove into that realm. But you can really tell when someone uses it, hey? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on the control of their voice. If they're really well controlled with their voice, I mean, like, it's only there to help when they fall off just slightly. But you can really tell when people don't have control of their voice when it kicks in. You can even hear it, too, on a recorded album. Oh, yes. Like that song by Justin Bieber, Peaches. Did I say Beaver? Justin Bieber. Like, he's a decent singer, obviously, but I can really tell sometimes when the auto-tune is in play. Oh, yeah, for sure. Same, with, same with Drake, too. Yeah, 100%. I think that's just... In that, like, style of music, it's just pretty popular to use it. It kind of matches the vibe of the music anyway. So, like, I mean, look at Akon. He pretty much, like... Yeah made auto-tune like well i'm not gonna say he made auto-tune but like really made it prevalent that's one artist you really notice it in his music yeah i've never actually used it myself so it's one of those things where i wouldn't know the difference or not i I know it would probably help if you're doing a live show especially if you're doing multiple shows at once yeah it would save you save your voice a little bit Oh, yeah, for sure, especially artists who have to, like, belt it out, like, every night. I can't imagine, like, how tiring that is on the vocal cords. Yeah, I think people kind of underestimate the fact that you're not going to be on all the time. You're not going to be hitting those notes no matter how professional you are, no matter how experienced you are. No, no, not at all. Like, you got to remember the vocal cord is a muscle, so it does get tired, like, especially without... And, like, you're not always... Like, I mean, I'm sure professional vocalists are always, like, making sure they're not doing things to strain their voice. But, like, you know, you let loose and you're not, I feel like you're not always going to do things to, like, protect your voice. I don't know. That's just my opinion. I'm not a vocalist, so. But I also think, too, that there's beauty in a flawed human performance. Yes. Yes, 100%. It just shows the true colors, I feel. It's relatable, too, right? Yeah. What do you think of these new mics? You're the very first guest to actually use them. I like them. I like them. They're slick. Nice weight. I'm sure they sound great. <laughs> <laughs> they sure do. They sure do. Well, Zach, do you want to actually start off by telling the audience a little bit about yourself, who you are? We know that you're um, a successful musician. You've played in some bands. You've played live shows. And yeah, just break it down for us. I've always kind of like called myself like a bedroom rocker because I never really like got into playing live music until 2017 and like at that point I was playing guitar for like probably 13 12 years 12 years at that point so but you know what playing live has really like helped me like improve seeing what other musicians are capable of like it really has pushed me to make me want to be a better artist in myself so I highly recommend anybody to try just going to local shows and like seeing what's out there. What was the previous band you were in? Um, previous band, um, I guess the last current band I was in was called Jackie Daniels and the Jokers. 
And what type of music was that exactly? Uh, we were hard rock. I'd put us in the hard rock category. Uh, You're the lead guitarist, right? Yes. Nice. Yeah, I've heard you belt out a few riffs and some of the stuff that you post on Instagram and stuff. You're, uh, you're quite the talent. Oh, sick. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Just getting deep into the actual technical side of things, because this was a big reason why I wanted you on today, not only for your experience, but also for your knowledge of guitars. You seem to be a very well-versed guitar enthusiast, not just playing it, but also knowing what they're all about, because you'd have to agree that there's art in itself of building an actual guitar. Oh, 100%. You got to realize that it's built out of wood, and wood is living material. So even if you have the same model of guitar built, like if you see here on the wall, I got two Epiphone Les Paul Customs. As much as they are the same in specs, they still feel different amongst each other. Like one is 12 years older than the other, but like it's going to all sound different because not like wood cells, like all the cells aren't going to be arranged exactly the same in the grains of the wood, you know? So I don't know. They, each guitar is unique in itself. It's going to respond different. Yeah. What's your favorite guitar that you use usually, Zach? My favorite guitar that I use. You know, I always tend to end up using my white Epiphone Les Paul Custom. I bought it back when I was like 14? Yeah, 14. With my own money I saved up. No, it would be 15 then. Yeah, no, I bought it back when I was 15. <laughs> yeah, no, saved up all my money. Bought it. It's. I'm proud to say it's the first guitar I've ever bought with my own money, and I'm happy that I play it right up until this day as often as I've always have. Uh, I've had a chance to play it uh, with a Les Paul once, and it was a really smooth feel. I, it's in my opinion, I think it's the best, but obviously that's biased. But oh, totally biased. You know, I feel like it all depends what you grow up learning to play. Like I've always played like the typical specs of a Les Paul is a. Uh, 24 and a half inch scale so like the distance from your bridge to your nut is generally shorter um fenders are a longer scale at 25 and a half inches i'm pretty sure it is and that helps with string tension but it's but it's what your fingers are used to playing and like i've oh like growing up the first three guitars i've had were 24 and a half inch scales something i didn't realize at all like i never really dove into guitar specs until way later on into my playing and like that's one thing i encourage all guitar players to do is like investigate the specs of your instruments you're playing because then you start focusing on what to buy what you're used to playing and certain instruments are going to feel better because of certain specs you're used to playing from when you were learning again just my opinion but like it's definitely really helped me in my playing understand what i'm comfortable playing yeah i have a fender stratocaster at home that's what i've been using okay but then again that was my only electric guitar i've ever owned i'm usually more of an acoustic guitar player okay cool cool yeah acoustic guitars you know i never really uh I've only owned, like, ever one at a time. Like, um, I don't play them too often, but it's something I like to dive into every once in a while. Good acoustic jam is. I never like to plug it in usually because it takes away the natural sound, I feel. 
Yes, I agree. Like, I've never owned an acoustic amplifier. I've always played acoustic, just open. I've always purchased one where I've had the ability to plug it in, just in case, like, if I've ever been in a situation where I've needed to direct input, then I guess, like, I can use it. But, no, I'm with you there. I prefer to, like, mic an acoustic when I play it. So in your opinion then, Zach, what makes a good guitar? What are the defining features that say, as a musician, hey, this is what I'm buying, this is what I'm sticking to? Because we know that lots of professional musicians are loyal to their brands. You know, like David Gilmore from Pink Floyd, he likes to use Fender Stratocasters religiously. You know? Yes. You know what's funny about that? Yes, he does use to... He does love to play Fender Stratocasters religiously, but the song Another Brick in the Wall Part 2 was actually recorded on a Gibson Les Paul. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. A lot of people don't know that. And like, I notice it when I play that song on my Fender versus my Epiphone, I find like the sounds more true to the song. It's weird. Like it, but no, it's very cool. Um, I've never been one to be loyal to a brand, to be honest. Um, every instrument has their own unique, uh, feel and something I like about them. Like if you take a look at all the guitars in my collection, I don't really have any repeat brands except actually those two Epiphones. Would you consider yourself a bit of a guitar collector? Like you don't part with your instruments easily. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, I've always said like ever since I've all my first guitar that like I'm going to collect guitars not going to ever get rid of them. Mind you, there's been a couple I sold, but it was in order to gain another guitar. Like I've never, my numbers never really went down. <laughs> it's just because I realized I wasn't playing it as much and I wanted to switch it up for a guitar. I know I would play more often. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, it's, I, I get really attached to things myself. Oh yeah. You know, too. I'm not, much of a guitar collector per se but other things absolutely and i think it could be easy to get attached to your to your babies right oh yeah like every guitar here i could pull a story out of how i came to buy (laughs) that's why i never understood musicians that would actually smash them on stage you know it's it's almost like you're committing murder (laughs) oh yeah Uh, to be completely honest though i've always wanted to just go buy a cheap guitar and just play like some like aggressive rock or punk song and just smash the shit out of it after the song (laughs) so if you could use one guitar for the rest of your life you had to choose one what would it be though for the rest of my life now i'm not going to be choosing my favorite guitar that i play which is that epiphone les paul i the one i would play for the rest of my life would probably be my uh paul reed smith ce custom 24 because it's more of a versatile guitar in the sense that it has a tremolo it has 24 frets it has a bit of a longer scale so it can handle lower tunings way more stable um and yeah no it's a guitar you can just do more with so if i had to only play one for the rest of my life i'd want to play one that's good for like metal blues rock even like hip-hop hip-hop artists use paul reed smith guitars because they're just a great universal fit of a guitar i find right right on yeah my voice teacher actually um shout out to nick lie from turner guitar studios he's in a band called daryl saves lives 
Oh, yeah, I've heard of them. I've heard a couple of their tracks. They're pretty good. Yeah, and he taught me this technique recently for recording purposes with my acoustic where you take your microphone, because I like to have it up against my guitar. Okay. So that it gives more of like a reverb sound and, yeah. and more of like a natural sound. You place your mic right up against your 12th fret while you're strumming. Oh. And it just makes for a much more cleaner, natural sound. Really? I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. I'm going to have to try that. That's pretty cool. Mm. The more you know, right? The more you know. Knowledge is power. <laughs> so, Zach, do you get nervous before a show always? Or have you become accustomed to just dealing with it and throwing yourself out there? Do you get more comfortable as you do it more? Um, You know, when I'm alone, yeah, I get hella nervous. Like... To the point I don't even want to like go out. But when I'm with a band, for some reason, as soon as I walk onto stage, the nerves just kind of melt away. I don't know. It's way different playing with a group of people as the versus just alone. But like usually before like a show, I'll like smoke a joint just to kind of like calm the nerves, just let loose a bit. Yeah. Do you, do you do you play any type of warm up? song or anything like that just to get your fingers going um not any song in specific but yes definitely like before the show before i go on stage i'll have my guitar on and i'll just noodle through some like exercises and techniques just to get the fingers loose limber used to moving around on the fretboard so they're not getting used to it while i'm on stage they're just already used to it and i can just dive into playing whatever i need to play since you were a musician who was literally in the trenches, you know, you were that prototypical musician traveling, you know, playing live shows, stuff like that. Can you speak about the difference between being a solo artist and actually being in a band? How do you navigate different personalities? Because there's always bound to be creative differences. And like Timothy B. Schmidt of the Eagles said when they got back together in the 90s, bands are on the verge of breaking up at all times. Is there truth to that? I could say there's truth to that. There's, a, you know, a band's made up of many people, so not everybody's going to view everything the same. Everybody's going to have different opinions. It's up to each individual whether if they want to let something roll off their shoulders or not. Like, I think it's healthy to have conversations about disagreements, like, and come to, like, a common ground. It's unhealthy if it's going the wrong way, obviously. But, like, I mean, there's always that concept, agree to disagree, right? Like, I mean, I feel like it takes a mature person to agree to disagree. And, like, and that's one thing about a band that, like, it's hard to, like, get around sometimes. I mean, you're all there to play music, and that's what the whole point of being in a band is. So, I mean... I find it's when you let like personal stuff get in the way. That's when like the verge of breakup starts causing. Kind of takes away from the beauty of, of the uh, collaborative process too, when you're focusing on personal problems, right? It does. Yes. I mean, you got to be able to separate yourself. It's like work in a sense. Like, you know, if you want to succeed at work, you got to be able to separate yourself from, you know, personal issues and do what you're supposed to do when you're there. Um, Way easier said than done, though. And, like, 
I fall um, victim to it too sometimes, like Lynn. Sometimes personal issues get in the way. You just got to take a step back, though, and realize, you know, leave things be that are out of your control and just try to focus on being, like, the best possible version of you you can be in that moment. Yeah, that's uh, that's really good to know, actually, 100%. Um, have you ever played at the Starlight Room? Yes, actually, my very first live show I played was the Starlight Room, which I'm super grateful to have had that opportunity to. And give a shout out, uh, thanks to Daniel Martin for giving me that opportunity to play with his group. It was uh, that first show was a really really cool experience. Yeah, it's an interesting venue. I've been there a couple of times. And I love it. Yeah, I love how close you are to the stage. Yeah, it's downtown Edmonton, a really good atmosphere. And yeah. you're sharing the stage with some pretty prominent people. I think, um, um, you know, that singer Lights, Yeah, she played there once. Oh, yeah. Well, even back in the 90s when Nirvana was first coming around, that's where they played when they came to Edmonton. Nirvana? Yeah. No, really? Yeah, Nirvana back in, it's the early 90s. I can't exactly, like, coin the, like, year, but it was early 90s. I'm pretty sure when, like, Nevermind came out. Wow. Maybe even before Nevermind, like just before the album came out. That's really cool. I never knew yeah. that. Yeah, no, like really big artists have played it. Now we can both agree that artists get paid dirt unless you're like a real top tier oh, yeah. performer. My sister, for example, like she collects checks once in a while for royalties for like 49 cents because her music's on Apple and Spotify. She's got one single. Are we ever going to see a day where artists can actually dictate their future more or will corporations always rule? What's the alternative to making a living as a music artist? Like, how do you find other ways to be successful financially? To be honest, I... I really don't know the answer to that question. I mean, there's projects I've been a part of, like the last project, The Jokers, that I was a part of. I feel like we actually, for the time we were around, the band itself generated a little bit of decent coin. Like, we never had to throw any money into the band. Photo shoots were always paid for. And I think that's just due to, like, you need to throw yourself out there. It's not just about posts and stuff, even the social media. Like, how we got our kind of break is we applied to this rock competition um, at a casino. Uh, pure? Pure up on Fort Road there. Yeah, Pure, Pure Casino up on Fort Road. There's this rock, uh, this Battle of the Bands rock edition going on there. But we didn't make the cut originally at first. We were actually like, so there were 12 bands that kind of like were looked at, but the top 10 were picked to perform at this competition. And we were 11. So we originally weren't going to be playing that. But a week before that competition, a band had dropped out. And we were granted 10th position. That was like, we were like. When was that roughly? 2019? 2019, I wanna say. It's not too long ago. No, no. It might have been, yeah, early 2019, like April 2019, I think. Yeah, and around there, April 2019. Um, 
and yeah, we got to perform three of our original songs on no, two of our original songs. We did a cover. We did an audio slave cover. Show me how to live. Mm, nice. So we opened with, and um, I guess we did well for the judges. By no means did we win the rock competition, but like we got gigs out of it. Like we got to play before Sloan at Edmonton Rock Fest. We got a spot at the Heart of the City Festival for the city of Edmonton downtown. And then... um, This is with the Jokers, right? Yeah, this was with the Jokers. We got to play a private basement party. We even got hired to like play like a Hell's Angels gig. That was pretty sweet. That was an experience and a half. A Hell's Angels gig, wow. Yeah. And then stemming from that, we got to open up for, for One Bad Sun at Pure Yellowhead Casino. And then, um, yeah, by word of mouth, we got another chance to open up for this band called the Red Cannons out of Edmonton. They had a couple hits that were pretty popular back in like the early 2010s, I think it was. And um, incidentally, that show we played was literally a week before everything was shut down. Yeah, it's been kind of a rough go of it the last couple of years. Not a lot of live shows being played where I think that's where a majority of your of your image is made is on stage, right? Oh, 100%. Like, um, you can only be in front of a video camera so much until you actually have to be, you know, in front of people. For sure. On stage is a true, like, a true depiction of, like, what you are as an artist. Like, people see your true colors when you're on stage, how you play your instrument, how you react to, like your instrument even how you react to the audience like you want to put on a show you want to be entertaining so yeah i think like you know an entertaining band is definitely one of the main factors in being successful so with some of the hardships that come with the last two years and people being kind of isolated from that really special live show do you think that creates an opportunity for artists now who either want to get into the live show game or get back into it, uh, you think that's a real advantage that they can use that people are going to be actually expecting this. They want to see more live stuff. I think so. Like when, uh, well, even stuff's starting to ease up right now a little, and I've been noticing there's a lot more live shows. And, you know, the community's getting back together again. And that's really nice to see. Hopefully this keeps moving forward and more live shows come up. We're able to get back together and be able to converse with each other, collaborate, and, you know, be able to support each other again. That's, I'm really hoping that's the direction we're all going right now. I really like indie artists. I find that some of the best music comes from those that are unknown. 100%. I agree. Like, Dude, the local music scene in Edmonton is so talented. I wish there was more, like, music producers that ventured out here to promote artists more and everything. Like, especially for the rock scene, there's a lot of talented people in this city. Like, it'd be nice if everybody could, like, get their little chance or their little break, even just a little one-hit wonder, you know? Like, I think that would just make people a lot of people and artists and themselves feel at like a good sense of accomplishment not that we don't feel a sense of accomplishment like man i haven't had one hit wonder but i still feel like 
somewhat accomplished as an artist. Like, I mean, never regretted anything I've done. I also feel, though, too, if you're truly dedicated and passionate about your craft when it comes to music, it doesn't really matter when you have your hit. It could come when you're 25 or 45. You know, if you if you stick to your guns, you're going to write something good eventually. 100%. And like, yeah, like you said, if you keep sticking to your guns, you keep producing content, throwing stuff out there, you're eventually going to get like, notice to some degree it doesn't have to be like celebrity status degree but like people are gonna eventually like you're gonna get a little following and even that would be like that'd be cool in itself to gain that's one thing i need to start doing is just creating more content like there's one thing i told my sister because she had one really well-produced single that she released called head games on apple and spotify it's still on there if you want to check it out she felt kind of discouraged, you know, because when you release something, you put so much work and effort into it, and it doesn't feel like it paid off very much, right? But I always tell her, I say, look, you gotta look at the big picture here. You went out on a limb as a creative person. You put money into it, and you produced this high-quality product. And guess what? That product's not going anywhere. Whether you got one view on it or 10 million views, you are a part of music history you're not really in the ranks of of all the you know the hit wonders Mm -hmm. but you're still part of the conversation in that history and you know what to put that into perspective look at now i'm gonna dive into completely like separate genre and style of music but this happened to people like the ramones and the sex pistols back when they were around punk wasn't huge at all they were barely known. They only played small shows. But you know what? When the inception of grunge came in in the 90s, that's when those bands made all the money. Everybody was buying Sex Pistols and Ramones albums. And that's when they were making money for their royalties. Incidentally, few of them weren't around to be able to enjoy that and be told that their music, yes, caught on and people love it. So, you know what? Like, like you said, as long as it's out there, you know what? Only time will tell. You never know. It could, it could rock it off. You need to look at your expectations in a different way. See yes. that, you know, I'm doing what I love and it's out there for people yep. to view. That's an accomplishment on its own. Exactly. Like that's, that's honestly all I really want to do is just write stuff and just have people like listen to it and if they connect with it they connect with it and if they don't then like I mean they don't everybody's different man even if 10 people just connected with my shit I'd be happy yeah and they're, like, and they're probably dedicated because they're your friends too and they care yeah, about you right that's no, awesome exactly totally it's all worth it in the end and it's cool that you brought up the sex pistols and that you know punk 70s kind of movement Mm-hmm. really interesting that band in particular they were volatile as hell oh yeah and crazy guys like drugs alcohol all that kind of stuff like music was a really different scene back then well it's a culture too right yep. it's not just the music right and and that right, whole... literally sex drugs and rock <laughs> exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no that sid vicious and nancy spongeon case was fascinating like i always watch documentaries about it and i read about it oh really mm-hmm. i'm to be quite honest i'm not super like well versed in that like just like about like how crazy they were and like 
Well, yeah, like they had like a drug fueled relationship, right? And okay, I feel like I've heard some like touches on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like one night when like because if you don't know who Sid Vicious is, he was the the bassist, bassist yeah. of the Sex Pistols, and um, you know they were in the Chelsea Hotel one night. I think it was back in 1979, and uh, he ended up well. Nancy Spungen ended up getting killed. Like, she was stabbed in the abdomen. Oh, what? And Wait, by him? Well, or, like... That's it. Like, he, he got arrested for it. Okay. Because he was there that night, and but he had no recollection. He didn't remember anything. Yeah. I mean, people think he did or didn't do it. Who knows? Uh, they don't have the, the real verdict. But, I mean, they've kind of concluded at the end that they thought he did it. And he even admitted it once, and then he kind of changed his statement up because he didn't remember. Yeah. And, and I mean... Like, to be fair, like, he was always, you know, coked out on heroin and stuff like that. So when you, when you think about his judgment calls and his consciousness, yeah. it really is hazy. You don't know if he did it or not. You don't want to believe people, like, come to that point and, like, end up doing something that crappy, but... You're talking about 21 and 20-year-old kids. Yeah, that's crazy. At the time when they died, so it's, it's heartbreaking. Like that, yeah. They pe- didn't, people yeah. that get this kind of fame at that age, yep. they can't handle it too, and and they end up having tragic ends. No, it's so overwhelming. There's nothing there to like pump the brakes for them, and mm-hmm. that's the thing too. That's kind of the toxic thing about the industry is that like you get fed by other people, right? Like it's not necessarily them always going and looking for it, but like, like. Look at like Drew Barrymore. I'm pretty sure when she was like younger, she was getting like giving coke on like sets when she was like a teenager. Like, and like it wasn't necessarily her going out and sourcing it, it was just given to her. And that, like, well, you think about what's at stake too, especially yeah. with bands. And it's people think like the you just you just show up and and everything just kind of materializes as it's as it appears but everything costs money and someone's paying for that show so yep. so these record companies and people putting these shows together are relying on that band to deliver 100% and and you see it being portrayed in movies where they they go to some extreme lengths to make sure that their star is on that stage no matter what his state is as long as you're on that stage making us that money that we put in it doesn't really matter what your state of mind is, which is a real sad uh, uh, realization. It is It is a really sad realization, and it's super wrong that it's cutthroat like that. Like Hard to say now like if it's changed or not, because that's... You've seen that in movies, how it's portrayed, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't, we don't know what it's like now. Definitely but. like in like you know the 80s and like yeah. earlier on in like music era. 100%. That's what it was like. I don't know if it's like that nowadays, but, like, you hear of, like, artists like Kesha who have gone through abuse with her manager and everything. Like, it's not always, like, on a drug level. It's even, like, sexual abuse level. Like, it's ridiculous what some of the people in the industry feel like they can do to these artists just to, like, because they can. Yeah, it's, it's a severe power trip. You know, it ha- is a having something over trip. their head. Yeah, yeah like... Like, I even, like, a couple years ago, I saw a video of Billie Eilish, and, like, it was, I think there was a snippet taken one year before she was actually famous, then a snippet taken a year after, like, she was famous, and, like, I wouldn't, like, 
I think in the video, she claims like she's not happy because like just of the pressure of the industry on you. Mm-hmm. And like everybody has these high expectations for you to hit instead of, I don't know. I feel like you should just be able to be yourself and let that speak for what, what your music is. Well, it's not fair to the artist when they have dreams. And in oh. some cases, when you're put in a tough situation, you're, you're doing everything possible to achieve those dreams and, and you get taken advantage of. It's, it's just sickening. It is. And like, you're going to get people out there be like, well, that's just how it is. And like, no, I refuse to agree with that's just how it is. That's how it shouldn't be. Like, but I mean, hopefully things are changing. You know, a lot of yes. stuff has come out in the last few years. So, I mean, hopefully like things have changed. Yes, for the and better. you know what? With, see, I've always thought social media was very bad because just anybody can say anything and then it takes off like, and it could be so untrue, but like of the same note and token though, because of social media, a lot of things do come out as well. So like, it's a very double-edged sword in that sense. Yeah, no, it can work for you and against you in a lot of ways. You got to be careful. Yes. Yes. You gotta, you gotta be able to understand how to filter through it and like, can you handle it? Yes. 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 That's, that's a big factor is can you handle it from like, you know, just growing up and seeing like not all individuals can handle it. And it's easy to say too, when, when, when you don't have it, when when you're in your own life and you're, you're judging somebody else, which I don't think is right. You don't need, you shouldn't be put in a position to, or even put yourself in a position to judge somebody because you don't don't know, you don't understand what they're thinking, right? Like, no, hundred percent. You never know what somebody's going through at that moment. And in that point of their life, that's why I hate when people like make fun of other people, you know, like you don't know if that person's having a rough day that day or if they just got like a phone call or a message and just something they were not wanting to hear and it just throws them downwards you know like that's why i think like you always should approach people with a level of respect yeah for sure zach well said switching gears a little bit here yes on a later note what is the best era of music of all time like 60s 70s 80s 90s it's a hard question because each era has so much influence on the music nowadays. And I understand I you're going to be extremely yeah. biased. So am I. So. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. But you know what? Like, I want to say 80s to like mid-90s just for the sole reason that music really evolved in those years. Like, like previously to the 80s i mean you still had bands like iron maiden and deep purple the ones that were starting kind of the metal scene but then you got bands in the 80s that come around like talc megadeth slayer you even got like van halen even though i think they started in the later 70s they were still more prevalent in the 80s like just all this different kind of like rock metal music and like r&b and like all that stuff was really unique around then. I mean, like grunge even like started coming around in the early nineties, just genres that nobody's really ever kind of wouldn't say heard of, but like, well, I guess, yeah, essentially heard of. I don't mind some of the new stuff out today. 
Like there, there is songs that I like and artists oh, yeah. that I like, 100%. but I can't get on board with, with the whole, you know, mainstream side of it where, where what's acceptable as the new sound. It's just, it's all so overproduced and it doesn't feel real to me. It's yeah. all, and it's all the same. Everything just feels like it's produced the same, with the same formula. I think the best music ever came from the seventies. I, you know, I, I, I'll agree with that for sure. Like you got bands like Pink Floyd in there. I think the sixties were starting to kind of mount up like with, with all this talent. Yeah. Cause between the sixties and seventies, I would say was a really talented generation of music. Yeah. A really inspired mm-hmm. generation of people. And, you know, you saw that with the Beatles in the 60s and then the Doors, the late 60s, early 70s, Floyd, you know, all these bands that really made an impact in that era. And it really lasts through the ages today. Yep. Whoa. Oh, yeah. 100%. Their music's still so, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? So relevant today. Mm -hmm. Like. Stands the test of time. 100%. Like, people say rock and roll is dying, but like. If rock and roll was dead, their music wouldn't still be played, honestly. I think just new renditions of rock and roll are hard to come by because a lot of people have done rock and roll. Like, that's just plain fact of it. But the thing with the era of music you're talking about is that's all raw talent. All raw talent. If somebody had to learn a song, there was no internet. You had to listen to it. You had to try and learn it by ear. They had record players, so, like, they'd have some, like, I've heard from older guitar players, like, when they learned music, they they wore records out because always repeating and moving the needle to, like, restart the song or whatever. If they screw up, they want to restart, like. I think that's why I like old music the best, because yeah. it's so respectable that these musicians and their talent level, what they were able to do in that time you know, my, I have a hat tip for them every time, and and I listen to that music the most. Yeah. You know, I listen to Eagles music on repeat every day. Like it's one of my favorite forms of driving music. You know, I just I love older music. Dark Side of the Moon, I think, is one of the best, if not the best, album of all time. Oh, I'll agree with you for sure. Because thing about that music, you feel it. There's no music from that era that I feel you don't feel like. It all induces feeling. And that's the point of music, in my opinion, is to induce emotion and feeling. When I think of um, a powerhouse musician, when I think of a, a influential person, I think of Jim Morrison, the Lizard King of the Doors. Oh, yeah. You know, he was a poet. He was a haunting singer in a good way. Yeah. That's a guy that I can look at and be like, wow, he existed. Like, he's almost like a, like a, like a phenomena. Yeah, like a big anomaly of the like human race. <laughs> yeah, and everything he did last through the ages today. He's a legend. And, oh, yeah. And like, the music was just unheard of. It was such a, a unique sound that you really haven't seen replicated since. No, no. The Doors are really unique in that sense. A mixture of like rock and roll and blues, right? Yep. And like a really mellow sense of it too. Yeah, no. Very influential band. Like, I know back then, like, keyboarded instruments weren't super popular in rock, and, like, those were the types of bands that made them popular. Mm-hmm. Breaking Barriers at the time, yeah. right? Yeah, Breaking Barriers, 100% well said. What's your favorite band? Or at least one of them, anyways. Who do you listen to the most? 
I have to probably jump on the bandwagon here and say Metallica. Metallica, yeah. Yeah, super influential to my guitar playing. Um, but if I had like a very close second, I'd say oh, there's so many bands. Like there's so many bands I hold such a high standard like on that question. Like say Metallica for like all like the hard hitting stuff. I love the Foo Fighters. Yeah, I think I have a man crush on Dave Grohl <laughs> a little. Well, again, that's just another another guy who who I describe as once again that word a powerhouse. He can do yeah. it all. He can drum. He can sing. He can play guitar. And he doesn't even play guitar technically. He he literally learned it by by the shapes of the chords. Like he's not really versed in actual music theory. No drummer. He's a very He's a very good drummer. Like he's an amazing drummer. Well, yeah, and he and he came from drummer for Nirvana. He goes from Nirvana to Foo Fighters. Like that's amazing. Yeah, two like influential bands. And very particular guy too. Like there's a reason why the Foo Fighters music is so successful, and it's because of Dave Grohl's particularness. Like I think on the album, the shape and the color, um, he didn't even get Taylor Hawkins to record the drums for that. I think Dave Grohl himself drummed on that album because there was just this nuance he wanted in the drums like that's how particular he is and that's one of the reasons i think foo fighters music is so successful obviously later on taylor hawkins is the recording drummer on the foo fighters albums but that was just at the time that taylor hawkins was joining dave girl just wanted to make sure and there's nothing wrong with that i don't think well and i think a lot of successful bands need that guy right yes and another prime example of that kind of band is Queen. Yeah. I love Queen. Freddie Mercury was a genius. He really was. Just absolutely. I think this isn't quite biased. This is probably an accurate a assumption for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like he's the best singer of all time. Well, he could create room for his breath and, yes. he, and he can project it. You know, it was, it was, it was a uh, totally unique, you know, I don't like it's you you have a lot of good singers out there but one of a kind would be one of a kind for sure you're never gonna get another Freddie Mercury but it also just speaks to to the actual art of singing itself yes you know I really respect that as an instrument because people forget that your vocal box is also an instrument just like a guitar very critical instrument yes and you know with persistence you really can actually become a better singer and I, I can attest to that because when I started singing a couple of years ago, I wasn't very good. You know, I, I wasn't singing in tune yeah. and, and I wasn't very powerful. It was weak. It, mm-hmm. was, it was like picking up a weight for the first time in a gym, you know, not yep. being able to lift very much. But over time, if you focus on your craft and you have the right person to teach you, that's the other thing too. You have to know when to ask for help. Yes. And like, there's always to that phrase, practice makes perfect, but like you got to be practicing the right thing though. Exactly. And like you mentioned earlier with with the past generations before technology, musicians learning through tape recorders and stuff like that, not with with computers that we have today. We have that advantage to just go on YouTube and actually learn from a vocal coach or learn from a guitarist. We can actually have access to that information at the click of a button. Then again, you can only take yourself so far and, and then you reach a peak and you're like, okay, I need to actually get some help from a professional one-on-one to take me to that next level that I want to be, depending on how good you want to get, right? 100%. And I, 
I can definitely attest to that with my guitar playing. Like, um, for the most part, I'm a self-taught player. But you know what? I'd say there's probably about four to five points in my, like, playing career that I've seeked professional help. And it wasn't necessarily just, like, guitar practice or whatever. Like, I also paid to, like, pick their brains and see, like, how they approach the instrument because can practice something on the guitar till it's dead in the horse but if but i find understanding why something is or how to achieve something is a very big factor in being able to produce the best quality product you're willing to achieve well and much much like humans aren't perfect neither are our skills ever it's no. you always need to be open to learning yes because there's always something new to learn no matter what no matter how good you are Hundred percent. And like one thing I realized seeking help from professionals is that like they can't always play their stuff all the time. Like I took a private guitar lesson from Jason Richardson. Um, guitar player for all that remains. He also has some solo work that's just friggin' phenomenal. And uh probably one of the most technically sound players out there. Super accurate, super clear, like note hidden and everything. And I was very lucky to be able to snag a one-hour, like, Skype guitar session with him. And, like, I barely played guitar during that session. I just picked his brain. I asked him, like, you know, what kind of exercises you do before warming up? What, like, specific theory things? Like, if you see on my wall, I have modes posted and major keys with relative minors and, like, scales. And that's all because of him. Like, he told me, like... I just always learned songs how to play. I didn't really know much theory. And like, that's what he presented to me was modal theory. And he was like, you know what? If you practice modal theory, your playing will progress like just that much more. And it has. Yeah, you can't just put it down and then pick it back up and then expect to be a master. It just doesn't work that way. You know? Exactly. 100%. Like, I stick to a key. I try hour practice a day every day. Like Jason Richardson also, when he goes on like a two-week vacation to come back and play guitar at like the speed and the rate he does, he can't do it. He has to work back up to it because it's muscles. It's all muscle memory. I think Joe Walsh of the Eagles once said, just because you made it doesn't mean you can play it. <laughs> exactly. Like, I was watching a YouTube video a couple years back of this guitar player, John Petrucci of Dream Theater, watching guitar covers of stuff he's written and like some of the comments he was like man that guy plays it better than me whoa i don't even know if i could like remember playing that that was one of those songs i wrote i recorded and i forgot about like there's a lot of there's a lot of things like that and that's like and that's one of the main hindrances for like improving as well is like you take a look at all this stuff and you think that all these professionals are super accurate all the time and can play their stuff all the time and they should be able to do that and you should be able to do that if you practice enough and that's not the case like even when i play music like i'll typically play a regimen of songs but if i haven't played a song for like a few months there's no way i can like when i go back to playing it play it like perfect right off the hop yeah 100 percent. and going back to 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 my progress as a singer yes you know it was it was an interesting experience. Again, another shout out to Turner Guitar Studios on Main Street there in Leduc, Alberta. If, if you have a, 
a preference of guitar or you want to learn a new instrument and they got lots of good instructors there and lots of good high quality guitars and other instruments and accessories for those instruments so check them out i've <laughs> ordered a few things f through them before got a set of pickups i can't say i bought a guitar through there but like definitely like whenever i need knickknacks and everything i've went there and picked a lot of stuff up yeah absolutely and also like like I, I practice singing at least like once a week with a teacher and then I usually practice on my own yeah. like like pretty much every day like for a certain amount of time and over time just like you you bench press weight and you try to get up to that certain amount of weight to bench right yeah it's the same thing with your voice box you know you keep working it out and you keep videotaping yourself like in the mirror especially when you see your technique yeah. with how your mouth opens and closes and how you control your breath like before i used to sing directly from my throat okay and i've taught myself with my teacher to actually sing through the diaphragm which is yeah. where you're supposed to sing it because a lot of people blow out their voices when they sing in their throat whether you're screaming or even just singing normally yeah like look at robert plant he had to get that vocal surgery done a long time ago literally like a phenomenal singer but he didn't always sing correctly and it really screwed no, up his and voice it damages your vocal cords so you got to sing properly right yep. and i learned how to do that and you know i can confidently say today that i'm actually a decent singer now at least better than i used to be so it's and it's a passion right so you just yep. enjoy doing it and for anybody out there who feels like they're past their prime or past their time you know you can pick up an instrument you can start doing anything with music at any point in your life and you can learn it and and don't be in, uh, discouraged just because yeah. you're at a certain age or you you're not capable or whatever like you can you can do it do it oh 100 percent. that's what i always try to tell guys like i got guys at work that you know in their 40s or 50s saying like oh i wish like i learned how to play guitar it's too late now and i'm like no man like Pick it up, like, even if it's just, like, a little half hour a day, just getting used to it, getting your fingers used to making chord shapes and everything, like, you will be able to pick it up. Like, if you want to you wanna learn something or do something, just do it. Again, easier said than done, but, like, you know, like, I always say some, anybody should, everybody should learn an instrument. It's a great escape. It's a great stress reliever yeah zach absolutely thanks so much for coming on today this was a great conversation i love talking about music especially with someone who's actually been a a true blue musician oh thanks and thanks for having me i really appreciate this i i was really excited when you asked me if i wanted to be a guest on your podcast i've never done this before this is really cool so yeah totally and you know our, our part of our plan today is to do some gem so yes. we should actually get to that should we oh yeah 100 percent. cool what song do you want to do first i don't know let's do some weezer weezer okay yeah. okay i think weezer and then maybe metallica fade to black sounds good to me okay awesome man it's a deal all right sick well that does it for today's episode everybody i hope you enjoyed our guest zach bunsenmeyer very talented guitarist i urge you to go follow him on instagram He's there at Bunzy93, and he posts some insane licks once in a while, so go check him out. Once again, I'm your host, Zane Tomich. We'll see you next time, everybody. This is Shatter the Glass.